Well, before I get into um, our teaching this morning, let me mention a teaching I'll be doing next week, and I cannot overstress how important the teaching next week will be um, in regards to next year. It'll be the last message of this year, but it could very well be one of the most important messages pertaining to next year, and I want to share with you a message entitled, Ready or Not. Um, We don't know what's ahead. I pray and hope and wish for some good things. Uh, And I also look at our world, though, and it's like, um, pray extra hope and wish. And who knew that this last year, some of the things that have happened in our world would would have happened? We don't know. But the thing about the the greatness of our God is he does not leave you unprepared, ill-equipped. He does not leave you without help. But I think that we have a part to play in that, in in making sure that we are, quote, ready. And that's why I'm calling it ready or not. And I'm going to share kind of a little different format than I normally teach. And I want to share just some very important things. It's almost going to be like a little bit like a checklist going into this next year of making some certain things are are set in your hearts, in your minds, in your life uh, that are going to help us. Um, Because God has never called us to fear. He's always called us to a place of peace and trust in Him. And uh, I find in my own life when I'm stressing, when I'm fearful, uh, when I'm lacking peace, it's it's usually because I'm forgetting what he'd said about that and not trusting him. So this is going to set us up really good for that. So I cannot encourage you enough. Be with us next week for that. And um, then again, this coming Tuesday, Christmas Eve services, no service on Wednesday, and then we get back into our regular format for that. All right. We're ready to get into the word today. All right. We're going to wrap up a four-week teaching called The Greatest Story Ever. And this is God's story, and it's found in God's book. And uh, we'll give you some markers on this in just, in just a moment of where uh, we are and a few mile markers, so to speak. But it's all contained in God's word, and you need to know that this is God's story, but everything finds its context, its place, its real meaning within God's story. There's nothing that's separate or exempt from God's story. And further, every person finds their place, their real meaning, their their real purpose uh, in that context of of God's story. Again, there's no person that's exempt from this story. And I want us to find ourselves in this and and to receive some, some things out of this incredible story that's contained in God's word. Now... Again, this is the big story. This is the meta-narrative. It's, it's huge. It's, it's timeless. And for us to cover it in four weeks is, is kind of, you know, uh, futile. We're not going to be able to cover everything. But let me give you a couple of things that will help us get some overview here. First of all, it's God's story, and God is eternal. So as far back that way, God is eternal. And once time is done, God is eternal. That's hard for us to understand because we only know things within the framework of time, okay? I mean, we started at 11.30 and, you know, you got up at a certain time and you're planning on this and the kids are going to come around Christmas at this day, at, at this time. You know, everything's time for us. Well, God is timeless. Amen. But he started time and entered time with what is referred to as creation, creation. And we do believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And then... Shortly after the creation is the fall of man. And this is where the antagonist, the devil, came in through deception, uh, through pressure, through temptation. Then he, uh, mankind then, 
gave into independence and disobedience and sin entered into the world. Well, God had a plan and that plan is redemption. Everybody say redemption because redemption is our big word there. And then ultimately it's going to end in consummation, uh, which you could say is even recreation. It's recreation. It's what God intended to start with. God will end up with. And then time will cease. Time began there. Time will cease. But then it will be eternity. And we want to make sure that we're ready for eternity. Because everybody's going into eternity and we just want to make sure that you don't go south. Okay? So this will give us a little bit here. Now, Christmas Christmas uh, falls kind of in here as far as when that, when that took place. And we want to look at a, a number of things and get really down to the purpose of, of all of this. We believe around here and we celebrate around here that Christmas is the entrance of our Savior into the world. Now, a lot of people have made Christmas a lot of things. Uh, and I think uh, I'm, I'm good with just about everything with Christmas as long as you know you keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. You know what the real deal is. And the real deal is this. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the entrance. Everybody say entrance. That's just the beginning. We're celebrating the entrance of our Savior into the world. Uh, as I've shared with you, all of the Bible, everything in the Bible develops two ideas. All of Scripture is foreshadowing two things. The coming of Christ, okay, the coming of Christ, and the second thing would be his work on the cross and then his resurrection from the dead. So everything's pointing to that. Everything is pointing to redemption. It's the good news. It's gospel. Because God created a wonderful thing, it got messed up, and then he redeems it, and he gets it back to what he intended in the first place. It's the greatest story ever. And there's so much detail in it. I recommend that you read it. I recommend that you keep yourself in church, continue to learn how all this works together. And it's not just a story. This is real deal. So these two things that all of Scripture points to and foreshadows, the coming of Christ, well, that's Christmas. And then his death on the cross, his work on the cross and the resurrection from the dead, that's Easter. And so we as believers, we highlight that really good. But I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes we highlight Christmas a little more than we should Easter. I even, mentioned, I even mentioned some to my staff. That's, that's the big, big, big deal. Okay? Christmas is the entrance. And I think we should make a huge deal about the entrance. Because if that didn't happen, we were, we were just lost. But it's God's plan coming into play. So what happens here is the fall of man, as I said, devil comes in, the antagonist, temptation and sin, the fall of man, God had a plan. And that plan was redemption to be accomplished through Jesus Christ and through his coming and the work that he did that we just talked about. In 1 Timothy 1.15, it says this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. This, this is Christmas right here in a nutshell. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came in. Y'all? Y'all look like Christmas is all over. Nothing to do but the cleanup now, and your two favorite toys broke, okay? So, so I need y'all to perk up, okay? And stay with me on this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and Paul said, of whom I am chief. And everybody needs a Savior. He came into the world as a Savior. Everybody, I need a Savior. You need a Savior. Every person that you know needs a Savior, and he came into the world as a Savior. First um, Timothy two five says this: For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man 
Christ Jesus. And remember, God put on flesh. God became man. He was fully God, but now he became fully man at the same time. Only Jesus could do that. Now follow this. Therefore, Jesus is the only one qualified. He's the only one qualified to be that mediator between God and men. He's the only one who was God enough to hold hands with God and at the same time man enough to hold hands with man and bring the two together. And that's what a mediator does. Only Jesus qualifies to do that. Only Jesus is the God-man. He, only Jesus is that mediator between God and men. And so he is the Savior that all the world needs and all the world should be looking for. Jesus. Now in Galatians chapter 4, uh, let's pick up here in verse 4 and verse 5. It says, but when the fullness of the time, please note that little phrase there. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. And here's Christmas again. Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we, everybody say that's me, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Let's, let's break down just a little bit here. When the fullness of the time had come, the fullness of the time had come. In the Greek, that means an exact specific appointed time. It's not just some random thing. They didn't, you know, just, you know, spin the wheel on Wheel of Fortune or, or on uh, Price is Right and see where it lands and, and pick a date. This was exact. This was specific. There are a lot of reasons that some people give why this was the best time. Uh, ultimately, you just need to know this was the best time. And at this exact specific appointed time, because God had a plan in place, at that exact specific appointed time, it says that he sent forth his son. Sent forth his son. That, that phrase, sent forth, means this, to dispatch on a mission. To dispatch on a mission. So he sent him on a mission, and you, and you read further there, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were, who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So he sent forth at exact specific time. You need to know this. This was not random this was not just happenstance. This was strategic. You need to know that the, the baby Jesus was born in a manger not because God forgot to make reservations. Okay? This was all planned. I'll, I'll tell you why I think the baby Jesus was born in a manger, in a barn, in a stable in, in a little bit. We'll, we'll get there in just a moment. But that was on purpose. And when he did it, it was on purpose. There was nothing about this that was unplanned. This was strategic. This was synchronized. This was exact. This was appointed. This was all part of his plan. But notice, at the right time, God deemed this is the time. Now, he sent his son on a mission. And this is what I want us to explore this morning. Why did God send his son? Why did God send his son? Now, some of the answers you already know. Some of the answers are, are kind of obvious. I mean, let's, let's talk about some. Why did God send his son? Well, because he had that plan. He had, he had the plan in place. Um, why did God send his son? Because he loves us. Why did God send his son? Because we were a mess. And when you love somebody and you see them in a mess, you want, you want to help them. You know what love always tries to do? It tries to close the gap between you and, and the one you love. Um, why did God send his son? He sent his son to save us. But I want us to look a little bit further at another reason. And I need you to give me a little bit of license to start with. Until we get to a place where I, I can really establish this for you, okay? So another reason that God sent his son, I think, is this. Because there's something that God did not understand. And you go, whoa, 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 pastor, this is God. He's all-knowing. He understands. He, no, I think there's something that he couldn't 
he couldn't relate to. There's something he couldn't quite connect with. And give me a little bit of license. I think you'll see it in just, just a few moments. Um, all the first and second service, they kind of got it. So, so go with me. Go with me on this as we go. Um, he sent his son to help him understand something. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, let's go back to the garden again, okay? God came into the garden and he called out to Adam and then he said to him, where are you? Where are you? So God is asking a question. He's asking a question. So until now, go back to the garden again, think, think there. Until now, everything was perfect. This was paradise. Everything had come from God. Everything was out of God. Everything was good. I'll say it again. It was paradise. You have no idea how beautiful, how peaceful. Uh, all of it reflected God's goodness and it reflected God himself. And now everything's different. Now after the fall, everything's different. Sin has entered. Now we have broken fellowship. Now you have shame. That wasn't there. Now you have fear. That wasn't there. Now you have hiding. That wasn't there. And, and God is like, okay, I, I foresaw it. I foreknew it. I foreordained a plan to remedy it. So God could see it. God could know it. God could make provision for it. But here's what I think God couldn't do at this point. He couldn't relate to it. I've covered you. I've, I put you in paradise. I, I did all, all of this and we had this and now shame and fear and hiding. And I, I think there was an aspect of God that he just, he couldn't relate to it. And when you can't relate to something, you start to think and you start to wonder and you start to say things and you ask questions. And here was God's question. Where are you? Where are you? You've got to know when God asks a question, he's not really seeking information. You, you do know that. And this was not a geographical question. Where are you? He's in New Mexico. <laughs> no, it, it, it wasn't that at all. And who would God ask a question to anyway for, for information? It was this question of wondering. It's this question of trying to relate to all of this. And so he asked, where are you? And because he couldn't relate, he sent his son on a mission. He sent his son on a mission. He said, son, but this plan was already in place. I need you to go. Now follow this. I need you to go save the world. I need you to go to a cross. They already had that in play. I, uh, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. They had all, all of that. I need you to go do those things, but follow this. But I also need you to go, f I need you to go find out what it's like to be them. I need you to relate to them. Now think about this. So he came. God sent his son on a mission. And he came, born of a woman, born under the law. God put on flesh. He remained fully God, but now he's also fully man. Now think about this. Here's the eternal second person of the Trinity, the, the word that was with God in the beginning always has been. He is sent on a mission by the Father and he comes and now he's put on flesh. Philippians tells us that, you know, now he has the limitations, the form that you and I do. 
And so that first night, that holy night, was the first night then that he ever slept. And then he nursed from the breast that he created. Think about this. He cried, because now he's in human form. He was hungry. Mary fed him. Let's be real. Had to change him. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to talk. He grew up in a carpenter's home. He probably along the way got splinters before. He probably got in dad's workshop, hit his thumb a couple times with a, with a hammer along the way. He ran, he played, he wrestled, he had buddies. He swam, I bet he fished. He did not play video games. There's a lot of reasons for that. When he was 12, he taught the teachers. And then scripture goes silent for 18 years. Now listen to me, think with me. What was he doing and then what was he doing during those 18 years? Listen to me, here's what he was doing. He was relating. He was living just like you and I live. He was doing all the stuff that you and I do. He was relating. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and, and did what? Dwell among us. Did y'all hear that? Uh, in the original, it's kind of like this. He pitched his tent among us. The message paraphrase says that the Word put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Now, he could have, God could have had a plan. Are y'all with me? Just let me know something here. He could have had a plan where he said, Son, I'm going to bring you in. You're going to stay at the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, we've got an entourage security for you. We're going to work through it in just the right time. We'll send you to the cross to fill out the plan, and then we'll get you out of there. And it's, you know, uh, we'll make it as easy right as we can. And do all. Now, you know, God could have had any number of ways of making this happen, but look what he did. He came as low as he could go. That's why he was born in the manger, I think. He, he went as low as he could go so that he could make sure that that, that that scoop included everybody, that he would be able to relate to anybody. You know, if he just came at some high level, you're, you're only going to relate to a few there. And the most high came to the most low. God put on flesh and he came down and, and you know, he dwelt among us. I love that. He didn't just work out some kind of plan to eventually get to the cross. He came and he, he dwelt among us. What was he doing dwelling among us? He was asking that question. He was answering that question. Where are you? He was relating. That's what he was doing. And then at age 30, then he shows up then. In ministry and, and then really begins to reveal some things. Now, now get this too. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. We saw the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and full of truth. You know what that's saying? John was saying that's what we humans, that's what we saw of him. But I have to think about this. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. What did he see? What did he see when he saw, saw us? He saw a distorted a distorted version of what God had created to start with. And he saw broken people. And he saw, he saw bruised people and lost people and proud people and religious people and greedy people and, and sick people. And he, he saw all of that. And I think he was moved with compassion on that. Let's look here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. I'm going to read it to you from the message paraphrase. You're out there, right? All right. It is obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. 
That's why he had to, watch this carefully, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Do you see that? He entered into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest, all right, bookmark it right there, okay? Came before God as high priest. Where is Jesus today? He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Father God is on a throne, and on the right hand, the, the side of power, the Son of God, Jesus, risen Savior, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is an intercessor for us. He prays on our behalf. He's also our high priest. Let me put it to you another way. Whenever you and I pray, do you pray? Whatever you pray, it's almost like you're sending a message or a letter to God. And this is the way it gets addressed. Jesus taught us to pray in this way. He said, when you pray, ask the Father in my name. So that's almost like addressing, I know you people don't even do mail anymore, you do email and stuff, but back in the old days, this would be like addressing to my heavenly Father in care of Jesus Christ. And so you pray to the Father in Jesus' name. So when you pray, this is good news, y'all. When you pray, it goes to heaven and Jesus gets the mail. Jesus opens the mail. Jesus reads the mail to the Father. And I'm glad. Because now it comes through Him. He's the one who knows you. He's the one who knows me. And so we're asking for something. And the truth told is, okay, this is from so-and-so down in Ocala. And he's a real knucklehead. But I love this guy so much. And I see what he's been through. And I can relate to this because I was there and I did that. And Father, I really, really, I want to present this to you. And all that you did through me on his behalf. And then the Father answers, answers his prayer. I'm so glad that we have somebody pleading on our behalf, literally pleading on our behalf before the Father. And it's because he entered into every detail of human life. He can relate to it. Let's pick back up here. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Then in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. Do you see that? We don't have a high priest who's out of touch with our reality. Did you ever have a teacher in school who just did not care and didn't hardly knew this hardly knew the subject as well? I attribute much of my struggles with algebra to that, okay? <laughs> teachers who didn't care and teachers who really I don't know if they knew the stuff really that good. Out of touch. And you know what? You're out of touch with me. I'm out of touch with you. And it made it rough. And then when I did find a teacher later on who was in touch with me and in touch with the stuff, well, then we made some progress there. But it was a little late. Back to our story here. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. Will you read that with me? We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. Okay, let's, let's, let's rephrase that. We do have a high priest who is in touch with our reality. Now let me read on. We, we don't have a high priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. Experienced it all. All but the sin. All but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Listen, how many of you have ever been tempted? Oh, Really? Well, first and second service, they're like all over the map. Yeah. Uh, how many of y'all 
been tempted. Can I tell you something? He was tempted in every way that you were tempted, yet without sin. How many of you have ever been talked about? Doesn't feel good, does it? He was talked about. Have you ever had anybody you were counting on let you down or turn on you? He had that happen. Um, on and on and on. Whatever you're feeling. The scripture even says that he took on our sin. He paid the price for our healing. He bore our sicknesses and our diseases. He carried all of that. Our shame. Have you ever felt shame? Come on, come on. Have you ever felt shame? He, he's felt it. If you feel it, he's felt it. If you've ever felt it, he, he felt it. He came. I'm so glad. I want to make a point. I'm so glad he didn't just make his way to the cross. So glad he did that. But he came and he dwelt among us. Why did God send his son? Because he loved us? Because he wanted to save us? Because he had a plan for us? Because we were miserably a mess? But I believe that he also sent him so that he could relate to us. So that he would know, so he could be that faithful high priest, so that we would have somewhere to go, so there's somebody in touch with us who knows what it's like to be me and who knows what it's like to be you. And then he could relate, and then he could help us. You know what? Jesus spent time with sinners and with the outcasts, with with lepers and prostitutes and tax collectors who were 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 looked down upon by society because they, they ripped people off. He hung out with them. He hung out with the people that were least like him. And we read from Scripture and find out those that were least like him liked him the best. It was the religious people they had, had a hard time with. That's why I tell you all the time, don't be religious and don't be weird. Amen. And amen. Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a priest for Israel. Israel's in captivity. Just a few more minutes here. Israel's in captivity. And Ezekiel says, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to preach at them. That's what they need. They need preaching. He became aware that they were hard-hearted. He became aware that they were backslidden from God. And the scripture says in in the book of Ezekiel, it's Ezekiel's book, self-titled, bestseller, uh, He went down to them and he saw that they were hard-hearted, that they were backslidden from God. And it says this, I was going to preach to them. I mean, that sometimes we, church people, when we see somebody who's not doing things the way we think they should be done, we think, you know what they need? They need somebody to preach at them. Am I right? And what do we do sometimes? We preach at people. We preach at people. Well, let, let me go on and tell you what happened. So he went down there to preach at them. And he says that when I got there, I sat where they sat. And I was overwhelmed with astonishment. And I was silent for seven days. And then after sitting where they sit, then I was able to get a word from God for them. I hope you didn't miss that. Half of helping somebody is understanding them. Half of helping somebody, a better way to say it, half of helping somebody is trying to understand them. Because 
what happens is we're trying to answer these questions. That's what God was doing. Where are you? He was coming. He was trying to answer that question to try to relate. And sometimes if we're not careful, we're answering questions that aren't being asked. And sometimes people are answering questions. And by the way they answer, by the way, what they're saying to people, you can tell they didn't understand the question. And you know what we end up doing then? Giving religious pat phrases, religious cliches. And can I tell you something? That's tainted gospel. That's tainted scripture. And it really doesn't bring life to people. There has to be a proper entrance for that. And I think just part of it, just part of it is an, in, an attempt on your part to try to understand folks. Well, guess what? God came and God was able to dwell among us. He was able to experience every detail of human life. He, was, he went through it all. He felt all the pain, all the pressure, all the rejection, all the stuff, yet without the sin. When God created, he created, he created an Adam to, to help all of this happen. But Adam fell. A-D-A-M, not A-T-O-M. And now he had to come later because first Adam fell and failed to bring the second Adam, which is Jesus, who was able to do all of this and yet without, yet without sin. Now listen to me on this. Truly, only God knows what it's like to be you. Only God knows what it's like to be you. He went through all that he did And again, he could have just gone to the cross, but he dwelt among us. He went through every detail, every aspect. Only he knows what it's like to be you. He knows where you are. And God saw it necessary to be personally present, to work this plan out, to come so that ultimately he could bring salvation, but he also could bring help for us every day of our life. He is Emmanuel, God with us. I said, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And everything's different when he's with us. Everything is different when we're aware that he's with us. And that's what makes this such good tidings. Luke chapter 2. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Everybody say good tidings. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into the world. And when he entered, he spent that first 30 years, 33 years, just relating with us. Here's the takeaway, and then I'm just going to finish. Because he is Emmanuel, because he is our Savior, because he came and he did what he did, here's the takeaway for every one of us. Number one, God loves you. Number two, nothing can separate you from that love. Number three, you are never alone. And number four, you are never without help. Eternity has taken up residence within you if you're a believer. Emmanuel. God with us. It's the greatest story ever. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Lord.